first season of the NFADB podcast, Pilot Project, constructed by the Volunteer Board of Directors of the National Family Association for Deafblind. This podcast will share the journeys and insights of families and educators and loved ones impacted by individuals with deafblindness. We hope you find what we share to be beneficial, helpful, and inspiring. If you like us, please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. This allows NFADB to continue its partnership with iTunes. Please go to the NFADB website at nfadb.org and click on the donate button. Thanks for listening. This is podcast number three. Carly Fredericks is the family specialist for the New Jersey Consortium on Deaf Blindness. She's an NFADB board member, and she also founded Ava's Voice, an educational website for parents and families of children who are deafblind. In this podcast, she shares how her daughter Ava advocates for herself and gives inspiration and hope to those around her. Enjoy our conversation. Thank you for having me. It's so exciting to be a part of this initiative. So tell me a little bit about you. Well, I am a mother of three beautiful children, uh, one of which is deafblind, is my oldest, Ava, is 10. Ava has a condition called Usher syndrome, type 1B. I have a son, Mason, who's six and is a typical six-year-old, jumping around, keeping us busy. And I have Miley, who will be four next week. So tell me a little bit about Usher's 1B. So with Usher syndrome, there are three types. So type one would be an, uh, the number type that Ava has, which is the most progressive. So Ava was born profoundly deaf at birth and is now slowly losing her vision. It uh, typically starts off with night blindness, which we noticed about the age of three. That's where we were really able to key in on the fact that something else was going on with Ava. Um, we had known about the hearing loss and just kind of raised the concern about you know her vision. So we had her genetically tested. B is her subtype. So everybody has a particular subtype and it really is only relevant to the fact of if there's any future research being done and you know how that works as far as if there's any hopefully cure for her or hopes for uh, restoration of vision, but. Yeah, so, so when you heard this about Ava, Well, you know, it's it's always something I'm very humbled about because, you know, when I meet new parents especially, I can really uh, identify with the feeling of finding out that your child's deafblind. Um, initially, it's just interesting when Ava had the hearing loss. I, I was upset um, just because, you know, I knew things would be a little bit more difficult for her, but I just said, okay, there's other ways of communication. Um, Maybe there's the opportunities for her to access sound. If not, there's sign language. You know, we knew we had some other opportunities to really kind of see what best fits our family. However, when we did hear about her vision, you know, it was, I guess it's more upsetting as a parent, and sometimes it upsets us a little bit more than it affects the individual themselves, because to Ava, this is just who she is, and she's proud of it. Uh, for me, I was a little bit upset about the fact that she has such a beautiful gift, and now it's being taken away from her. It took me some time to grieve that, and I think grieving is an important thing for a parent to know is okay. And then there's a time to really embrace it, and just 
know that this is a part of who they are. This is what shapes our children. This is what makes them the beautiful people that they are. I mean, to Ava, she feels this is a gift from God, and we feel the same, you know. They put God put her in our lap and us in hers to support one another and to watch her be successful and do all of the amazing things that she's doing day to day with her peers and even more so than her peers. <laughs> Sometimes she's the leader of the group. It just, it feels good. It feels good to watch her be successful. I love, love, love how she self-advocates. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she, she talks about herself and talks about her strengths and so... How did you go about instilling that? Well, it's interesting. I think it's a fear for any parent having their child be accepted for who they are. You know, when she was younger, you you know, you jump right into thinking of the worst about, you know, is she going to be picked on? Are kids going to know? Are her teachers and um, educators going to know what she's capable of? You know, you automatically assume that people are going to see the worst. And I do still get those faces when you say your, your, your child's deafblind. I mean, immediately people frown. They're like, I'm so sorry. You know, they apologize. And that's okay. I don't get insulted by that. I just say, don't feel bad. This is what makes her so amazing. I mean, this really shaped her personality. And I think because we really made her comfortable in her own skin is why she has that confidence. We have never said to her, you can't do that, you know, or you're not going to be able to do that. We've always let her try and had the opportunity to explore things to figure out the way she's going to do it. You know, it may not be the typical way that kids go about something, um, but that's okay. You know, we just heard from one of our keynote speakers, George Stern, and he said, you know, what is this normal everyone's talking about? And I love that. And it's something I'm going to take back with me from this convention is that, you know, there is no normal anymore. Things have changed so much throughout the years. And for us, you know, everybody makes their own normal. That's great advice, I think, to take anywhere in any any situation tell me about first few years of school how, how did you educate the schools yeah well and that how was Ava educate the schools? it's funny I think for parents that's always the thing and even when it comes to the medical piece of it you know you're looking for this professional that knows everything about your particular condition and then you find hey I have to go to an audiologist. I have to go to, you know, an ophthalmologist. Now I'm trying to find somebody who understands the vestibular system and then the medical piece. And it's it's kind of frustrating as parents sometimes because you find yourself being the professional, you know. So when you enter the education system, I think that is where most parents feel um, where they run into kind of a hardship that like I have to teach all of these people and you know I looked at it as an amazing opportunity to raise awareness because you know they might not see another kid like Ava for the next 10-15 years but if she could touch one educator in that building and they're talking to another educator that oh my god I have a student in my classroom we're able to identify these kids and making sure that they're all getting these appropriate services so Ava and I had, we're, we're a little uh, dynamic duo, I have to say. Um, I really listened to her. You know, initially, of course, when she was young, I was her voice. But now we've given her the opportunity to have her own voice. So we sit down and she participates in her IEP meetings. She sits down with her teachers. We really give her the opportunity to say, you know, how can we make things accessible? What can make you be successful? Because she's definitely capable, we know that. 
And then we try to have fun with it. You know, we sit down with her classroom peers and we do sensory activities. Uh, we develop this, uh, it's called a mystery box activity. And we actually will impair the student's vision. We impair their hearing. And we sit down as a group and they have to put their hands in this little box. And it can be a little bit scary. They're like, you're not going to put anything in there that's gross, you know. We say, no, of course not. And that's the thing. And that's the first lesson right there. This is all about trust. So when you know that you can trust your teachers and trust those interveners and trust those peers that you have in your classroom, that's where these kids really start to thrive because they are entrusting their, the circle that they have around them. If I'm not there, you know, I know that, you know, there's someone there supporting her. And when I say support, I say, you know, someone that knows, hey, this is the way Ava does things and they could just support by being there and being a friend. I love how you put a continuum on support, mm -hmm. but with it, it depends on Ava's needs. Mm -hmm. and, and so, what experience has taught you? <laughs> well, you know, it's so interesting because with um, this such a unique diagnosis, um, her needs has changed year to year. And that's what's so hard to really explain to educators is that, you know, you can see her one day and she looks her, you know, she has access to sound. All of a sudden, guess what? Her devices aren't working. And they don't realize that, you know, she's still deaf and there's nothing wrong with that. There has to be these, there has to be a backup plan sometimes, you know, there has to be an alternate way to communicate. And I think when you kind of foresee that, hey, you know, I always say to, to parents, like, sit down and think about those moments because there's moments even for us where it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, we forgot her cane or, you know, there's going to be times that, you know, things happen. And it's just like, all right, let's what's the next best the next best thing? So um, I guess for us is just having those open conversations with these individuals. And I tell them, just ask questions because sometimes they're asking questions that I don't even think about. And I'm like, you know what? That's a great point. Yeah. You know, I feel like you always have something to learn from someone and uh, don't be afraid of parents you know to the all of those professionals out there that may be listening to this and really wanting to gain that parent perspective is we like questions i remember when ava was in the carriage and she had her hearing aids on she wasn't even implanted at the time and a little child walked by and was like pointing and saying what is that mom and the mom really was like shh don't ask don't ask and the mom was embarrassed and i said no no, no it's fine i said he, you know that's how she hears that's you know she can't hear like you and i and with those on it gives her some amplification and that's how she can you know hear sounds and yeah. so i think when you ask questions it just it, it puts everyone at ease you know when you it, mm -hmm. no one expects you to know everything kind of come at it with that open curiosity and that you know, creative mind that kind yeah. of makes more of a mastermind group. It than, does, absolutely. Than, uh, anything else. So, so what type of devices does she have in the classroom? So in the classroom, Ava does uh, receive benefit from the use of, of cochlear implants. So she is in her mainstream public school setting. Um, so with her cochlear implant, she does use an FM system where the teacher wears a mic. Uh, sometimes if they're doing in large groups, we could, there's always that possibility of the pass mic, but she really prefers not to use that all the time. She also is using a slant board for her vision. Um, sometimes it could be exhausting all day, really struggling to see and hear, so she uses a slant board. Uh, she's learning Braille currently, and that's interesting. It's something mom's learning too. <laughs> I said this is constant education from mom, but I love it. Um, 
And it's funny because her best uh, exercise is to, you know, she'll braille things on her braille writer and then she tests me. <laughs> so <laughs> she keeps me on my toes. She's making yeah. sure I'm staying with her because yeah. I have I have a feeling she's going to surpass me. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, so she's learning braille currently and she does travel with her cane. So, you know, she we are transitioning to a new school that has two floors. So that's going to be interesting. Um, she can use stairs. However, you know, there's good and bad days. So, um, you know, she may or may not pull out her cane, but at least she knows it's there as a resource, as a tool. I like how you step away from the IEP governing communication mm -hmm. and conversation with educators and the education system. So, mm -hmm. so when it is time for that R, what, what advice do you have for parents uh, on that IEP or on that transition plan? Well, you know, the number one piece of advice I really do give to parents, bef I, I think the most important part is prior to walking into the IEP. You know, because everybody's walking in under the, with different intentions. You know, there may be something that is a huge concern to you that the team may feel maybe they didn't even notice or think about. So I really kind of express to uh, families to really sit down and focus on what are the key points that need to be stated in the IEP. You know, what are the primary things that are really going to give that child access to information to ensure their success. So I feel that there's ways to have conversations after the fact. We just want to make sure that these are the key tools or the key points or the uh, accommodations that are really going to ensure this child's success. Um, because, you know, you get in there, there's emotions are high, you know, everybody's nervous, you know, even the team's nervous. They want to make sure they're meeting your needs. However, they may not know how to meet your needs. Um, and sometimes I think that's the biggest struggle because the conversation sometimes has to go a little bit deeper. You know, I always say this when I, I'm speaking to future educators is, as parents, you're trying to give a snapshot of that child in a half hour or a 40 minute time period of something that may have been going on for, let's say for me, 10 years. How do you give a snapshot of this child in 40 minutes feels like a lifetime for you and then you know and in the same turn you're trying to establish what that child's year is going to look like in that short amount of time so it's so overwhelming it's and sometimes prediction yeah, and I think that preparation, like I said, sometimes that pre-meeting can go a long way. Maybe there needs to be a time that you just have a more natural conversation before jumping to that IEP. But the goal of that IEP is making sure all of the physical tools and accommodations and modifications, if need be, are in place. So that is of utmost importance. But when you have that natural conversation or a different meeting to really get to know even get to know the professionals you know you may find that you have this con connect with them or they may have they have their wheelhouse may be something totally different that really benefits your child mm -hmm. so i think that taking the time to have a separate meeting um to really understand one another and to to help with the day-to-day -day is is really important yeah yeah are you ever reluctant to call an art or you know, it's funny. I sometimes I am. Sometimes I feel like you know a conversation can go a long way. Mm -hmm. However, I'm a big believer in putting things in writing, no matter what. <laughs> so I and maybe that's another piece of advice. Uh, sometimes after the IEP, I actually 
even go into the meeting with a letter to that director of special services and say, you know, as we discussed or as I had stated in the IEP, one of my requests, um, I always put things in writing. I think, um, like I said, emotions are always really high for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you may hear something and it may not, you know, the way we all interpret things, hearing or not, is different. You know, you have a pre-notion of things. And um, sometimes I just think following up or summarizing or putting something in writing is really, really helpful for everyone. So what are summers like for the family? Well, uh, actually, summers are quite busy for mom. This is the time, you know, in our community, everyone gets together. together. So I really look forward to this because there's opportunities like convention, um, you know, to meet with other families and really... um, you know, build those relationships and all those barriers across state lines. I love that I get to see everyone that I see on the small screen in person. Um, for us, this year, it was a great summer. We moved into a new home uh, that definitely meets the needs of Ava. You know, it's funny. I always say I'm not looking to make the world perfect for her. You know, she's going to have obstacles no matter what, but at least her home can be. So for us, this is an exciting summer. You know, she's definitely enjoying the pool. She's jumping around with her brother and sister, setting up her new room. Um, we try to keep her really organized. She's got a lot of equipment. So <laughs> so it's been a really fun exci- uh, summer. I'm really looking forward to August and just enjoying that family time and that quality time because we're always, you know, sometimes the day-to-day gets so busy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and we're on the Jersey Shore, so of course we're enjoying the shore. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> so let's talk about Ava's uh, little sister and, and, and brother. Like, how, how are they doing? Uh, they're great. You know, I have to say, everyone says to me, you know, the biggest compliment, you know, when I go out as a family, everybody's like, oh, they're so well-behaved. And it's like, you know, I, I've gotten down that, that mom look, you know. If I look at them, they know to, they know not to do what they're doing. And um, But I have to say... Um, the one thing I just feel like I've walked away in this life with was is an amazing family, you know, to it's funny, initially I had thought, you know, when I had gotten pregnant with my son, I wanted a son. You know, I was like, I can't envision having another girl. She's like the princess of the family. Even though she's not really a princess type, she's a she's a little tomboy. But um I really didn't I couldn't picture having another girl. And it's funny because I had my son and he was signing right, I mean, even before he was two, I mean, he was picking up things so fast. Of course, once he became verbal, you know, he he lost a lot of those signs, but um, they want to learn, you know, they're so open to communicating with their sister. And even though she's not relying, relying on sign language during the day, they want to be able to communicate with her when her devices are off, you know, they want to be able to guide her at night. I mean, I'm just so grateful. And, you know, when I got pregnant the third time, I wanted nothing more than for her to have a sister. You know, I see sisters and I'm so envious of the relationships that they have. And it doesn't matter how many years in between them, at the end of the day when they become adults, they're so supportive of one another. And it's something that I really, I see my girlfriends with sisters and my mom and her sister, and I just love it. I mean, you could be killing each other one day and loving each other and, you know, cuddling and sleeping together the next. I mean, I just, I'm so grateful that Ava has such wonderful siblings. 
that's something that I always really consider when it comes to training families and working with families. We put a lot of pressure on our siblings. Um, and I notice that. And I think it's really important to take that individual time to acknowledge them and, and their special gifts that God gave them. Mm-hmm. You know, my husband and I have really made it a priority to have special weekends special little getaways with each of them individually. And it's funny, even the grandparents want that. You know, they don't always want to watch my three kids at one time. They're like, well, can I take one? (laughs) And I don't blame them because, you know, they all bring a a different piece to our puzzle. And um, I just, I love the people that are coming and the way it's shaping their character by seeing their sister. You know, I see them meeting other families and kids that may look a little different. And they ask questions because I've always said that, you know, they they see that I encourage that. You know, it's it's something I feel like this acceptance and the way we are today. Everyone is so diverse and so different. And it's a beautiful thing. And to down the road, I just see them having these skill sets that, you know, they're learning incidentally, but even in the workplace, we all know it takes a, a, a good skill set to collaborate and work with others. And I think by their experience, you know, we're having Ava in our family, I think is definitely molding that. So yeah, I, I, I'm really fortunate to have these three. And Again, my husband, he'll be mad if he listens to this and I don't shout him out, but as busy as I am and all these boards that I sit on, I mean, he supports me and he's always known from day one that, you know, this is something that's just become dear to my heart. You know, I never knew what I wanted to do as a profession as well. And I love wearing these two different hats. I really do. What are the trends? Where do you see us moving? What, what are oh, I'm excited trends? about this move, and I'll tell you, I from the beginning, I feel like I'm in Texas. I'm starting to get this southern accent. <laughs> I've been around all my friends yeah. for so yeah. long. I'm picking it up. <laughs> um, I'm excited. I think for me, it's always been hard. You know, um, early on, that was something that I felt was really hard as a parent to identify it with. What community do I belong in? You know, first initially, we loved, love, 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 um, you know, attending deaf events and, you know, meeting deaf people and learning the culture and learning sign language. Uh, But it just wasn't our reality that we were around deaf individuals on a day-to-day basis. You know, she was going to a public school. She was going to be around her hearing peers. And that was great too. So, you know, we had chose to implant our daughter. Uh, She was very successful with the implant. However, we still love her deaf culture. We love that that is who she is. At the end of the day, those devices come off and she's still deaf. And I found that there is a little bit of a gap. You know, I, I don't know if it's a trend across the country, but, you know, in the state of New Jersey, you know, we're all looking to identify with particular groups. And I don't think that it needs to be this one group or the other, especially for parents initially with just dealing with the hearing loss. Now, all of a sudden, you're losing vision. Do you yeah. go to the vision loss groups? It's it's almost like the same thing we talked about with the medical professionals. It's right. like now I'm going to all of these different groups to identify and feel like you're a part of the community. So, you know, in the DB world, I think we're definitely starting to close that gap and I love it. I love that I see people fluent in sign. I love seeing the 
the families that are implanted and you know are are communicating through interpreters and you know SSPs are supporting you know these kids that have implants that may, may not necessarily need interpreters but have these SSP supports I mean no matter what it is doesn't matter how you lose it when you lose it why you lost it or or if it's going to happen you're still a part of this community and i think organizations like nfadb um you know even ncdb supporting that uh, on an educational level we run a local nonprofit in the state of new jersey called ava's voice and we are embracing everyone you know this it doesn't have to be a, a you know a one-way street you know i love yeah. I love this map we're creating, you know, and, and I'm looking forward to that future. I really am because it's something early on that was, you know, something that was a mission of mine as well. <laughs> right. Yeah, that definitely sounds like your passion. So it is. Tell us more about Ava's Voice. Oh, so Ava's Voice. It's funny. I, I am so grateful that we belong to a community of just people who love people. <laughs> you know, I grew up in uh, Clifford Beach, which is in the town of Oldbridge, and it's something I've always been very proud of because, you know, it was like everybody knew everybody and, you know, no matter it just acceptance was a huge thing and, you know, we're so fortunate in our community that when Ava was diagnosed, people just jumped right on board to want to be supportive. And they didn't know how to support, you know. So immediately everybody's like, you know, wanting to give us money. And I said, well, what, what am I going to do with all this money? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, we work and, you know, we're proud of that. But, you know, we wanted to help everyone. We didn't want it, you know, don't get me wrong, things are quite expensive living this life. You know, equipment is expensive and it's helpful. Um, however, you know, I think that socialization component is so important. So we created Ava's Voice, and the goal was really to, one, uh, provide local resources. So whether that's hearing loss, whether that's vision loss, whether that's deafblind, what are the supports that are available? So that was our one way to do it. The second thing that we support is either organizations or um, groups that are supporting research. Because we're all hopeful. You know, we all are hoping for a cure that one day these kids won't lose their vision or if they did lose their vision, they'll get a glimpse of, you know, what the world looks like and seeing it through their eyes. Mm -hmm. So we definitely are still hopeful. Um, so we support research and we do that through things like the coalition who are supporting it on a, a such a higher, a larger level. And then the third thing is really to directly affect families and kids as a whole. So this year we supported a Braille camp. Um, so we were able to provide funding for this, um, you know, Braille camp so that these kids can do and explore things, you know, more. And actually when we return from, when I return from this trip, that's Ava and I will be attending that Braille camp so that she can see how many students she's helped um, by people just being inspired by her. I, I, it's, it's just amazing to watch such a young individual be able to speak so it's like you're we're all looking for these answers and sometimes the answers can be so simple and to hear her talk about herself and you know the things that she needs just to be successful it's just like wow maybe I'm thinking too deep into this <laughs> you know maybe I'm thinking too hard but I think as a mom it's just that pressure of just wanting 
everything for your kids and sometimes they have the answers you know so I think Ava's voice is her outlet you know I, I love that name because you know I really didn't know if she'd ever have a voice you know and and I'm learning more and more I didn't she didn't need a physical voice to have a voice I mean, thankfully I get to hear that beautiful voice every day, but she really didn't need it to have a voice. You know, there's ways that you can advocate for yourself, no matter what, verbal or not, that you're capable of doing anything. Wow. So, yeah. that's Ava's voice in a nutshell. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to give some resources for that for, for our listeners. So, Carly, let's take you back, and you can speak to yourself. Mm-hmm. With okay. newborn Ava. Okay. Knowing what you know, what advice <sighs> do you have? Oh, it's interesting. Don't cut your hair, Carly. One mistake <laughs> I did was I was a young mom, you know, and I felt that I wasn't being taken seriously, so I chopped my hair off and I put on those mom jeans. <laughs> so that's one piece of advice. I say, don't cut the hair. You didn't need to do it. <laughs> why did you do the bangs? Yeah. And then it's, the bangs grow. I know. So, um... You know what? I have to say, as difficult as it was for me, I probably wouldn't change a thing. Honestly, I feel that it's gotten me to where I am now, and I don't want know what part of it was that that key moment, but it was hard. I mean, there's definitely I'm I'm so grateful for other families that there are resources that are a little bit more accessible now. I mean, we all Google, we're on Facebook, somebody knows somebody. You almost get to a person a lot quicker than you would, you know, the year Ava was diagnosed, which was only 10 years ago. I mean, it's just so amazing to think how different it was back then. But um, I never thought I would be saying, uh, you know, back then. But (laughs) um, I really wouldn't change it. You know, it's definitely given me the strength. like I said, to not only advocate for Ava, but to advocate for other families. And it's kept me grounded. You know, it's really, it's kept me humble. It's kept me, you know, it's just kept me blessed throughout this whole this whole process. So I really wouldn't change it other than don't, don't cut the hair off. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we get in touch with you? Oh, well, there's several ways. I am, uh, one thing I, I guess I should plug too, um, I am the family specialist in the state of New Jersey. So I work, I know, it's so exciting. I said not many people could say they do what they love. Um, so, or should I change that to family engagement coordinators? Because that's our new term. Nice. We're fighting for that. So, yes, I can be contacted through the New Jersey Consortium on Deaf Blindness. Um, and that is through the College of New Jersey. Uh, I will share my email. Um, there's two emails I can give. Ava's voice. Um, it's A V A V O I C E, and that's at gmail.com. And then, or I could be reached as a professional if anybody in the state needs support. I am happy to come visit and share those resources. And that would be Carly. Fredericks at tcnj.edu. Cool. We will put that in the transcripts. Wonderful. So, thank Appreciate you so that. much, Carly. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. I know. This is exciting. Break away from all the exciting conference <laughs> things going on. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Yeah.